Hello, and welcome to the Master Key Podcast, where we help you unlock your original design so that you can live in the fullness of your destiny. Have you ever felt like the only constant in life is change? Today, we're pulling from our library of past teachings where Dennis shares on transitional prayer. We hope you enjoy part one of this timeless teaching. For more information and other resources, please visit us at masterkey.guide. Tonight I want to talk about the very important process of praying through transition. Praying through transition. How many of you know that not only in the church, but in our culture and in the world, we are in the midst of constant change? How many of you know that? Somebody said in their church they put a sign on the wall, change is the only constant thing around here. Change is the only constant thing around here. Things are constantly changing. From glory to glory, He changes us. If you're not changing in some way, I really question whether you're actually alive. Because the difference between a real plant and a plastic plant is the real plant is continually growing and changing and the plastic plant stays exactly the same, collecting dust. If you are connected to God, if you are a branch that is abiding in the vine, I promise you there will be constant change. Constant growth, maybe constant pruning, and constant fruit bearing. I believe if we are alive in God, change is a very important part of what's happening. But many people resist change because change is uncomfortable, change is unpredictable, change forces us out of what we're familiar with into something new. Now I want you to imagine for a minute. For nine months, you were in your mother's womb. And that was normal for you. You were safe. You were warm. You were hopefully loved and nurtured when you were in your mother's womb. And you were growing. But you grew to the point where the womb was no longer large enough for you to remain inside. And so a transition had to happen. You had to be transitioned from life inside the womb to life outside the womb. Was that an easy process? Was that a painless process? Did that cost your mother something? Yes, it did. And that's how change is for us. See, we want life painless. We want life, you know, through a drive-through window right now. But we don't want to pay the price of real transition. For that baby to transition from life in the womb to life outside the womb, there was some travail. There were birth pains. There was even some tearing and some bleeding and maybe even some screaming. 
Have any of you ever screamed at God when you were in the birth canal and God was trying to do something new in your life? A baby can actually facilitate the birthing process or a baby can make the birthing process more difficult for the mother. And so can you with God. Now, God is continually wanting to take you from one level of glory to another. But if you kick and scream and resist and say, no, it's comfortable for me here in this nice warm place and this is where I've been all so far of my life. I don't want to go out to some new, cold, noisy place that I'm not familiar with. Well, what would happen if you stayed in the womb? Eventually, you would be overcrowded, smothered, and you couldn't live. And God knows that. So, change is coming, ready or not. Did you hear that? Change is coming, ready or not. Now, you can make it harder for you and for the mother, the church, or you can make it easier if you will cooperate with God in his processes. Yes, yes, My whole message tonight says that to go from one level to another, there's a transitional phase where there are labor pains, yes. where there is travail. There must be transitional prayer to take us from one place to another. The woman at the well met Jesus one day and she really wanted to go forward into her future. But there was something hindering her. What was it? What was hindering this woman? Sin related to what? Her past. She couldn't go forward into her future because there was a whole lot of unfinished business from her past. She had five husbands and the man she was living with now was not her husband. She was looking for love in all the wrong places. In fact, my guess is, I've been around the block enough to know that this woman was looking for a father's love that she never got from her own dad and she was looking for it in the arms of many men who were not her father. And this is what's contributing to much of the promiscuity and the sexual immorality in our society. Our young women looking for daddy's love and young men looking for nurture that they never got from their mom. And so then, until that deficit is addressed, the dysfunction may continue. And that woman may be with the sixth man, but if she doesn't get what she's looking for from him, could be seven, eight, and so on. Jesus never looked at the fruit as being the cause. He looked at the root. 
A pear tree bears pears because it has a pear tree root. You understand? And so the whole biblical premise is a tree is known by its fruit, but the solution is not pruning back the fruit. The solution is laying the axe to the root. That has to do with our past. Many of us try to transition into a new season in our life, but we have not addressed the problems of the past. And so then the old baggage of what was back there follows us into the new season. How many know what I'm talking about? And then you are visited by the, the ghosts, so to speak, the shadows, the residue of the past because it's never been laid to rest in prayer. Now I could give a hundred examples to illustrate what I'm talking about. Uh, I spent 27 years in Hamilton. My family and I poured our lives into that city. I pastored a church there for 25 years or so while in the end of that season I was also doing some traveling. But we really gave Hamilton the best we had for many, many years. We had glorious times. We had an outpouring of the Spirit. We saw many people saved and miracles and a church, you know, raised up that is still blessing that city. But we also had some difficult times. We had some times of persecution and rejection and accusation. It wasn't all glorious. Well, how many think it would be helpful if I drag all of that unfinished business with me to Oshawa? How many think that would be helpful? No. Does Oshawa need to inherit the rubble, the uh, <laughs> dysfunctional part of what we walked through in Hamilton? Do you need to inherit that here? No. What do you need? You need a fresh word from God. You need somebody who's free to love you and serve you for where you are. And if I project all of my anxiety and frustration and anger because of what didn't go well in Hamilton, if I put that on you, am I helping you? But this is what happens many times. A pastor will be, you know, mishandled in a church and he might leave, resign in frustration and anger, and then he moves on to some other city, shows up at another church, the smile is on, the family's all brightly to the front row, the honeymoon period begins, oh, we love you all, oh, we love you too, Pastor, we're all on the honeymoon, and then after about six or eight months, what happens? The honeymoon is over, the baggage is unpacked, and uh-oh, we brought all this dirty laundry with us from the previous church we were at. And something doesn't smell very good in the house. We must deal with the past before we can embrace the future. Do you understand that? Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. God doesn't mean for anything bad that happened to you today 
to follow you into tomorrow. The Bible says morning by morning, new mercies we see. Every day is a new beginning with God. But if you let the sun go down on your anger from yesterday, and that bleeds over into today, now you're breaking the kingdom principle that says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You don't have grace today to carry yesterday's problem, do you? You don't have grace today to carry that person's offense against you yesterday. When were you supposed to forgive that person? Yesterday. yesterday. How much grace do you have for today? Just enough for today. Do you have grace today to worry about tomorrow? No, you don't. Tomorrow will take care of itself. You have enough grace for today. Morning by morning, new mercies, or we could say grace, every day, uh, as your days are, so shall your strength be. So you don't have the grace to drag yesterday's garbage into today, and you don't have grace to borrow from tomorrow's problems and start worrying about them today. You only have grace to deal with today's problems today. And so do I. But I have enough grace for today's problems. Now the woman at the well was carrying years of problems. And her, the other women at the well would have reminded her daily of her past. That's why she came at noon in the heat of the day when none of the other women would have been there. She couldn't bear the reproach because she didn't pray that stuff through. So Jesus addressed the most important thing in her life, which was the unfinished business of the past. Now, let's just talk for a moment about divorce. I have no condemnation for anyone who fails in life. I have certainly failed more than my share in life, and God has forgiven me. So this is not about condemnation. But let's say you were married previously, and things didn't go well. And the enemy got in there, and your marriage fell apart. And so you got divorced, you tried to pick up the pieces of your life, you tried to go forward, you tried to be there for your children, and you tried to hope for some kind of future. Well, if you have not prayed through the issues of that first marriage, are you free to transition into a second marriage, or will those problems from the past come and visit you in the new season? They absolutely will. And part of that is soul ties. Part of that is judgments. Part of that is accusations. Part of that is defilement. Part of that is maybe curses that have been spoken over you by your ex-spouse or even by yourself. There can be many things that want to follow us. But the blood of Jesus can cause those things to be deleted from our record, from our birthright, if we will do the transitional prayer. So when 
uh, a couple comes to me for marriage counseling, which doesn't happen very often because that's not what I'm doing right now. I always address the issue of their past, whether they've been married or not, because a lot of people have been sexually active with others or even each other before marriage. And when they are, the enemy gets a legal grip on their lives and if they will not come clean and address that, then the, the immorality comes into the covenant relationship and they could have more problems. Right? And so, because we want to walk in the light, as he is in the light, we need to bring many of the issues of our past into the light, especially with our spouses, so that there's no area of darkness where the enemy can work. Do you know that God has given the devil a certain sphere to function in? And it's called the kingdom of darkness. Anything that we keep in the dark, that we don't bring into the light, is on the devil's turf. And Jesus said, the evil one comes, but he finds nothing in me he can hook into. But many of us have areas of our past that we have not dealt with. And again, I'm using the illustration of a broken marriage. And so then we walk down the aisle, we say I do to someone new, and after again the honeymoon period is over, some of the same old, same old manifest in the second marriage, and now, oh wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? Do you understand what I'm saying? I say this everywhere I go, and if you've been around me very long, you've heard me say this. Sin does not evaporate. Let's say that together. Sin does not evaporate. What is the only thing powerful enough to remove sin from our lives? The blood of Jesus. What is the only way we get the blood of Jesus applied to our sin? Confession and repentance, right? And so if we will do those things, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Then it's just as if I never sinned. And so Katie will tell you this. When she walked down the aisle on our wedding day, she was the woman I waited for all my life. I mean, I waited 10 years between the time God promised me a wife and when Katie actually walked down that aisle. When she walked down that aisle, in my eyes and for me, she was a spotless virgin. Yeah. She was wearing a white dress. And in the spirit realm, she was clean. Absolutely. If any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are, everything has become new. Now you guys know Katie's history. She was sexually abused by her father every day for six years from the time she was 12 until she was 18. And then she went into a series of uh, abusive relationships with men. Alcoholics who would 
um, abuse her, take advantage of her, because she had little or no self-worth because of the dysfunction she grew up in. Now, Katie and I entered into a marriage. Do you think that she would be able to transition from a dysfunctional past like that to being a minister's wife and a minister herself if there were not transitional prayer? She absolutely would not be able to do that. And I want to tell you that many, many hours were spent praying for her, praying for her father, praying for her mother, praying for her family's salvation. And her parents are saved and the family has been healed and Katie has been healed. And you wouldn't know it, but there was a day when Katie was a radical feminist. You wouldn't know it, but there was a day when Katie hated men. You wouldn't know it, but there was a day when Katie almost died being an anorexic and having to be hospitalized and on intravenous because she weighed 86 pounds. There was a day when she vowed she would never be married. She would never bring children into this world. She would never, ever submit to a man. There was a day when Katie wore all masculine-looking clothes to give men the message, stay away from me, I'm not interested. You wouldn't know that about Katie, would you? Because she's a new creation now. And she is a loving wife, and she's the most nurturing mother I think I've ever met. And her vow never to have children, in fact, when she was anorexic, she had abused her body to the point where the doctor said she could never have children. So each one of our four children is a miracle from God. But that was all healed and restored through transitional prayer. And what you might not know is how many hours were spent, her and I, praying through those strongholds of the past, walking her through the forgiveness of those men that abused her and took her money and were alcoholic and, you know, uh, violated her in so many ways. You wouldn't know all that because the Lord has done such a healing. Hasn't he done a good job? Yes, amen. How many of you think Katie is and has been restored to the image amen. of God and to the And you know what? When she walked down that aisle, that is the only way I could see her, as a chaste virgin. And God gave me a virgin. Right? You following me? And that's what I choose to look at. Now, in her soul, she had to work through a restoration process. But in her spirit, man, she was completely new. And so during the hard times, what did I do? I looked at her spirit man. Lord, you've given me a good and perfect gift. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing, a king's favor from the Lord. Lord, you've given me a nurturing mother. When Katie first gave birth to Becky, she didn't know which end the diaper went on. <laughs> but she's become the most nurturing mother. And what the enemy stole from her God is able to restore, right? And so I am shouting from the housetops, 
I of all men feel most blessed because I see a miracle transformation that happened in her and prayer was what made the transition. You see why I'm so sold on prayer? So much so that not even the scars of the enemy are really noticeable. In fact, from our scars, from our wounds, from our stripes, the anointing for healing flows. And now Katie's in Alberta right now. She's going to be ministering in a number of places. And I know this. Healing is going to flow into women's lives all over Alberta in these next two weeks because of the healing that Katie walks in. And most people wouldn't even know her past. They don't need to know her past. But the anointing is going to bring tremendous restoration to many women. Katie goes to third world nations where as many as 85% of all women are abused. And in one hour, we see phenomenal healing that took Katie 25 years to walk through. Isn't that amazing? And so we become living epistles. But without transitional prayer, we would still be back at square one trying to keep our head above water. In fact, you know, I've said this before, and I'm saying this to you as intercessors. This is not in any way to dishonor Katie. But I'd say about 85% of the grace that I walk in now is a result of the journey of walking together with Katie. Because I wasn't like this before. <laughs> in fact, I'm not sure I even would have liked myself very much if I met myself before. I was a Pharisee before. But because of who God gave me and transitional prayer and because of the forgiveness I had to offer her father hundreds of times as the painful memories would resurface and she'd have nightmares and she would relive the, the trauma of what she grew up with. You know what? I said to Katie, when we moved to Oshawa, it is a brand new season. We're not carrying anything from the past into our new home and our new season. And you know since we moved to Oshawa, it's been 18 months or so now, we have not had one argument like we used to have back in Hamilton, you know, out of that dysfunction. It is a new day. It is a new season. And you can be set free from the past. You can be a new creation in Christ. You already are in the spirit, man. But you can be in your soul as you work out your soul's salvation. And so I secretly chuckle when other people look at Katie and say how beautiful she is and how generous and sweet and giving and nurturing and, and anointed she is because they don't know where she came from. But had they known, they would have hope for themselves because if you knew Katie before, radical, angry, feminist, hating men, rejecting her own femininity, rejecting her own maternal instincts, rejecting everything that God created her to be. And you see her now? Transitional prayer.
transitional prayer. Nothing is impossible with God. It's an interesting story. Uh, my friend came to me in August and he prophesied over me that I would be meeting my future wife soon. At that very same time, a couple from our church was up north witnessing to this young lady who was Katie before she was saved. And so she actually got saved up north with this couple from our church while my friend was prophesying to me that I would be married soon. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, you will be married soon and I want you to take a three-month sabbatical and get ready to be married. Because I'd been in the ministry full-time for many years. And so I told the elders of our church, I'm taking a three-month sabbatical and I'm going away to prepare to get married. So I left on my sabbatical and this couple, as I'm leaving, brought Katie into the church. She never met me, I never met her, but for the whole three months I was gone, she was in our church getting discipled as a new baby Christian. And so then on the first night, I came back, which was December 7th, the Thursday night home group, you know, I met Katie. And the instant I looked into her eyes, I knew she would be my wife. But I didn't want to rush into anything, so I didn't ask her right then. I waited till the next night. And uh, I found out where she worked, and I happened to be there when she got off work. And uh, I, I again handled it very diplomatically, and, you know, I said... Um, God has a call on my life, and I need a very special lady to walk with me, and I think you're that lady. Would you marry me? And the Holy Spirit told her to say yes. So she said yes, and now we're engaged. 24 hours later. Man, I save so much on expensive dinners and flowers. I highly recommend it. <laughs> And on the way, leaving her that night, I said, oh, by the way, since we're engaged, what was your last name? And could I have your phone number so we could actually go out sometime? We did it a little bit backwards, but uh, we have never, ever once questioned from that day to this that we were not meant to be together. We've always known that God put us together. And it was very different than I thought. I thought God would give me a nice little church lady who had, you know, years of Bible knowledge and played the piano and led the choir and everything my mother said a good pastor's wife should be. And you know what? Katie didn't have any of those things. Not anything. She says of herself, she flunked Pastor's Wife 101. <laughs> she didn't know Genesis from Revelation. And I'd have to say, okay, you know, today we're going into a Baptist church, so, you know, you have to behave this way and dress this way. And the next week we're going into a Pentecostal church, so watch out, they'll be swinging from the chandeliers. You know, I had to coach her everywhere we went because she didn't know what was appropriate and what wasn't, right? She was refreshingly free of all of that religious stuff. And really, she probably should have been coaching me. <laughs> but we helped each other. And so, you know, of course, in her first year of being saved, she grew faster 
spiritually than anyone I've ever seen before. She went from a baby Christian to a leader in the church overnight. And it was just something miraculous that God did. And she was so discerning and so pastoral. And she was just, you know, had a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. I was more in the Word and she was more in the Spirit. But we made a good compliment to each other. So if you see something in me, I am in part because of the work God did in me through Katie, right? And she in part is a reflection of the work God did in her through me. And isn't that the way marriage should be? All marriage is a reflected glory. The woman is the glory of the man. And when I see Katie walking down the aisle on a Sunday morning and I'm at the keyboard, I fall in love with her all over again. And she, she brings glory to me. And I hope as a husband, I bring glory to her. I cover her, I honor her, I bless her. That's what a marriage should be. But what if the shadow of her father and all of those other dysfunctional relationships were still following her around? You would not see the glory because it would be veiled with shame, condemnation. Our sisters from Iran, they understand veiled women. In Christ, that veil is removed. And the glory of the Lord can be revealed in our faces because we reflect His light. But that's if our past is dealt with. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you'd like to connect or find other resources, please visit us at masterkey.guide.com.